Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Imagine being literally surrounded in a military battle where you've got one force on one side of you, one force on the other side, and you are being uh, forced to divide your attention and fight two battles at once, yet in the midst of that saying, hey, let's be courageous. Where does that kind of courage come from? Because that is the exact scenario we're going to see in our Old Testament reading today. And we might not be in a military battle. You you might not be surrounded by forces on one side and the other of you today, but we are in a spiritual battle and we are uh, in a world where Christians still need courage. And you may be surrounded by other battles. Uh, we, we always have spiritual battles we're fighting. There may be other things going on in our lives where we feel in that moment surrounded. Where can we find courage in that situation. We're going to see that uh, both from uh, some of our Old Testament more narrative reading and from the Psalms today. Let's look first at 2 Samuel 10 and 1 Chronicles 19 before moving on to Psalm 20 and Psalm 65. In 2 Samuel 10 and 1 Chronicles 19, you read this same account of uh, really a struggle David had with Ammon and Syria. Now, Ammon is on the other side of the Jordan River from where David was, and apparently uh, David was friendly uh, with one of the the kings, right? Or this king was friendly to David, more like it from what we see, uh, because it says that after the king of the Ammonites died, Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally with Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So he feels like, hey, this this father, he was loyal to me. I'm going to be loyal to this guy. So he sends servants to console this new king. However, uh, this guy's advisors get in his ear and say, no, David's spying on you. So he treats uh, these servants shamefully. Uh, you, you see what, what happens there. And even David lets them remain at Jericho until their beards have grown so they cannot be uh, experience the public shame. And the Ammonites realize, uh-oh, uh, we just did something really bad and it starts to go to war. And so uh, David sends Joab and his mighty men into battle. And in verse 9, we see when Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, because the Ammonites had gone out and hired the Syrians to come in and help them. So you got the Ammonites on one side, the Syrians on the other side. Uh, what he does is he chooses some of the best men of Israel and arrays them against the Syrians. The rest of his men, he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. And here we see, this is kind of the, the key verse or the thing that stood out to me the most from reading these chapters is verse 12, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what seems good to him. 
So there we see the, uh, the inspiring example of courage. As Joab is saying, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. Uh, and then I think you see part of the key to courage in what he says at the end of the verse, where he says, may the Lord do what seems good to him. It seems clear here that this courage is really coming from a confidence in God. It's coming from a confidence in God. He doesn't say, and God will give us the victory, but he does say, no, may the Lord do what seems good to him. And it seems that in that statement to me, there is a trust in the wisdom of God, that God will do what he seems best. And hey, whatever God seems, whatever seems best to God is going to be good. I think there's a little bit of that in that statement. Also, I think because he knows he is going out, notice he even says there to be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, because he knows that he is serving the Lord and fighting for the Lord's people. I think there's that confidence that, hey, God is going to do what's best for him and God's going to defend the cities of his people. God is going to help us. And so that's where I think we need to find our courage from. We need to look at the trials that may be surrounding us and say, hey, I need to be of good courage and may the Lord do what seems good to him. And that's where we can trust, even when that might not be what we would choose, it's what God, it's what seems best to God. And there should be a comfort to any Christian in that. But also sometimes it gives us that extra confidence knowing, hey, I'm doing something that I know is seeking to honor God. So I'm confident God's going to help me. Uh, God's going to help me for his glory because I'm not trying to do this something for myself. So I hope that encourages us to be courageous as we see that example of Joab. And then that fits nicely with what we read in Psalm 20. Psalm 20, we'll see another verse that uh, should help us think really about courage. Um, It starts off with all these prayers. Uh, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Prayers for blessing, prayers for provision, prayers just for answered prayers. But then it gets in verse six to now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. And here we go. Verse seven, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. So there, courage does not come from feeling well-supplied. Courage does not come from feeling uh, well-equipped. Courage comes from trusting in the name of the Lord, our God. So again, I want to encourage you, whatever trials seem to be surrounding your life today, don't look ultimately for comfort in what you have. Don't uh, look for comfort in your earthly assets or your abilities or look to yourself for confidence. Look to God and tell yourself, hey, may the Lord do what seems best to him. And if you're worried about what's going to happen, well, trust that God will do what's best for him, and he will work all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, and find courage in that. Psalm 65 really strikes as a psalm you could read on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, And it talks about how praise is due to God. And then verses five through eight uh, really uh, talk about some of the amazing things that God has done. You get a sense of the miraculous in those verses. And then verses nine through 13 really just 
seem to cover the more natural things of even just God bringing the rain in its season, providing food, and just the way that we can give thanks to God for his provision, even just in the annual cycles we experience and and, uh, with springtime and harvest and all these different things, uh, we, we thank God and we praise God for that. Now let's go to really what is a pivotal passage in the book of Acts um, and really in the history of the church as we go to Acts chapter 13. And the key event early on is that Barnabas and Saul, who by the end of the chapter will be called Paul, uh, they are sent out by the church at Antioch and they are sent out to go uh, really as missionaries. And we read briefly about their work on Cyprus, but then most of the chapter centers around them going to another city named Antioch. This is Antioch in Pisidia, and you even think of uh, places in the United States where there's a a town uh, in another state that has the same name. Um, but so here we see there's an Antioch in Syria, but there's also an Antioch in Pisidia and that's where they go. And I'd encourage you to really read slowly the message that is given and how really even from the old Testament based on uh, the history of Israel, they seek to point people to Jesus as the Messiah. Take note of those things and then notice how, well, what is it that turns people away from this message. It isn't that they weren't convinced it was true. It is uh, in verse 45 or 44 and 45, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered together to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So there we see it wasn't that they opposed the truth of what they were saying. No, they were jealous. And that's what motivated their opposition to the gospel. So uh, read that message, see the truth and see how the Old Testament and the scriptures point clearly to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But then notice the rejection. But even in the midst of the rejection, the Gentiles rejoice and they're even though Uh, Barnabas and Paul end the chapter getting driven out of town. The last words of the chapter are, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So uh, let those things encourage us today. And may we put our eyes and our trust in the Lord and take courage in him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.